Okay. Hi, I'm Sue. Very grateful member of the Alanon family groups because today I love an alcoholic and we are on the 12th step tonight. And, uh, yeah, the 12th step says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Now, if you haven't worked steps 1 through 11, it's impossible to have a spiritual awakening. There's three parts to this step. The first one is the greatest promise of all, which is a spiritual awakening, and all that is is a personality change. You wake up one morning and you realize that you are not the person that you used to be, having completed these steps. The second one changes me with the second one charges me with responsibilities to carry the message. That's the purpose for me today. God works through people with people. To be of help to God, we must suffer the disease. Therefore, the disease is my gift. And that's the way I feel about that. The third part is principles. We need to practice them in all of our affairs. That does not mean the kind of affairs we had before we got to this program. This means we need to live it in in all of everything that happens in our lives and with everybody that we encounter in our lives. The thing that is so important in... um, Well, I better start at the first part. uh, Having had a spiritual awakening... And I've shared with you before that when I was new, and I still do it today, that when I wake up in the morning, I thank God for another day. I uh, do my morning meditation, read one day at a time, Courage to Change, the big book on awakening in the big book and any other meditation books I choose to read. When I'm done with that, I do the third and the seventh step prayer and add any personal prayers to that, which have changed a lot uh, since I got here. And uh, then I always go to the mirror and I look at the mirror and I say, Good morning, Sue, I love you. The morning I could look in that mirror and not cry, not feel weird, not feel stupid, none of that kind of stuff, I looked in there and there was somebody looking back at me that loved me. And that wasn't the case when I got here. I don't know how long that took or when it happened. And uh, I knew that this program was for me, and I knew it was everything that I'd ever looked for. And since May the 11th, 1976, I have never searched for anything else. I have never wanted to leave, nor have I searched for anything else. I've carried this message to a lot, a lot of people, thousands of people. Just like uh, that coffee mug that I was showing you uh, the other night uh, that was given to me in 1985. It had 20 names on it. And the last person just left this week. And uh, But all the other 19 had left a long, long time ago, and none of them, none of them are in this program. What I understand today, through 
over 28 years of experience is when somebody says, I'm out of here, I'm changing home groups, all they're saying is I'm on my way out of the program because that's inevitably what has happened to all of them. There was a man by the name of Chuck Chamberlain that had 40-some years sober. He was a spiritual giant in this area, him and Elsa. When we were new in the program, and Keith and I used to talk to them a lot, and we went down to their house one day, and we said, uh, what happens to these people that leave, or what happens to the people that can't do the things, that can do the things that we can't do? to feel good and stay in recovery. He said, they're gone. They're absolutely gone. He said, it's only a matter of time. How long are you willing to wait? And it's true. Seen it happen over and over and over again. Most of the people that leave have secrets. The key part of this step, you know, to me, if you're not... Once you get through these steps and you're not carrying this message, you might as well go. You will not get the miracle of this program without giving it away. It is our our purpose. Once we get through these steps, this is the purpose that our God has given us. I believe that I have a tremendous responsibility to my God. He saved my family's lives. And today I believe he saved our lives so we could serve him. And the way we serve him is to carry this message. Now, practice these principles in all of our affairs. I've had to do that. There's been times that it hadn't been easy. Uh, like I've shared with you previously, I went through a real horrendous uh, experience three years ago. I retired uh, from a company that I'd worked for for 14 years and the last two and a half years at that job were living hell. The thing that bothered me a lot um, was that I was constantly being sabotaged. I was constantly being put down. Uh, a lot of ugly stuff went on in that job in the last two and a half years. And... Uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which I was raised on, talks a lot about here. We cease fighting all things and all people. So if I'm in a situation like that, how do I handle it if I can't fight back? And how do you stand up for yourself and not feel like you're fighting? You know, well, you stand with dignity and you state the facts and you let a lot of things go. And what what uh, I did was allow people to be themselves and show their ass. And that's exactly what they do. And we experienced that a couple of months ago at World Service. And so what I know today is that God takes care of all those situations that I think are seemingly bad. But uh, on the other side of all those things, there's always something good waiting for me. Everything in my life has to fail me in order for me to get closer to my God. People, places, and things. Things might be jobs. But when I left that job, I got a tremendous, tremendous retirement package. 
I would not have gotten that had I just, you know, my goal was stay till I was 62, which would have been this August. And uh, I would not have gotten what I got three years ago had I stayed until this coming year, coming August. And uh, so the benefits of every day before I go to that job, I would call my sponsor. And after uh, I left, my sponsor said, uh, God, I'm glad this is over. She said when I'd hang up talking to you every morning, she said I'd say, God, just please let her get in the car. And I would because I was following sponsor direction. Sponsor direction is a very important part of this step. If... How can I carry something that I'm not getting? In order to sponsor others, we have to have a sponsor. Because I can't give this thing away if I'm not getting it from somewhere. Because I'll go dry. And so I have to be getting it and uh, from somewhere and the principles being reinforced in me from a sponsor and that's what I give away to others. Uh, one of the things that happens around here is that people will get to certain steps uh, in this program and complacency sets in. The thing that is so important, the reason we carry the message to others is because it keeps taking us back through these steps. Now, once I get through these steps, I personally, once I work the first nine steps, I personally, and the old-timers told us this, the only steps you have to work after that is steps 10, 11, and 12, because 10 encompasses all first nine steps. And then on a daily basis, you have the consistency and the spiritual commitment to do the 11th step every day, and then the 12th step is a constant in our life if we're going to stay here. If you're not working or I'm not working with others, I will get bored and I will leave. And I cannot afford to do that. And it's interesting, the person that just left our group gave up sponsoring eight women. She called every one of them and said, I'm out of here. She couldn't do the Hitler thing again. Well, she was the biggest Hitler in our group. She had 21 years. And uh, I've always heard she was very hard on the people that she sponsored. But yet she said that. Uh, the sad part was is that she thought some of the, those eight ladies would go with her. Isn't that sad? I mean, Monday morning when I woke up, the first thing I thought about is how lonely it must be for her in, this morning because she had other women calling her every morning and her phone wasn't ringing at all. The other thing that I thought was very sad is that the first time she opened up her cell phone and she had to delete all those numbers, what she got left in there? There are constant reminders when you make a decision like that. My sponsor says she bought the alcoholic's problem. She sponsored a lady that her husband left uh, the guy's group, and the lady stayed in our group and has for quite a few years. Four? 
two and a half years. And uh, when Cindy left, Cindy used to say, if John changes home groups, I don't have to because I sponsor Sherry, and Sherry's done it very well, and I can too. My sponsor said, I can't believe after 21 years she bought the alcoholic's problem. So we wish her well, but it's very lonely out there. So we'll see what happens. We'll pray for him. But carrying this message, you cannot carry this message if you have resentments, not constantly working the tenth step in your life. If you if you have resentments, you have forgotten about a spiritual awakening. You have forgotten about the commitment to God in morning meditation. You have forgotten to take that inventory every night when you lay your head down on the pillow, step 10. You have forgotten that the amends that you owe to your family because she, this lady took her kid out of Al, out of Alateen and always criticized people that left because they did that. So our living amends is going backwards. Who's on her list to make amends to? Nobody right now because she's in a lot of self-pity. Step seven. She's taking it all back. Step six is staring her right in the face. Step five, she didn't share that much. I remember telling her a few weeks before she left, I know everything about the lady you sponsor. I don't know anything about you anymore. Step three, my will, God's will. If I'm living in God's world, I can overcome other people's resentments. I don't have to buy into them. This is a deal between me and my God and nobody else. Step two, it is insane to walk away from something that you've had for 21 years and make comments about something that she was guilty of doing herself. She would call me and say, so-and-so is not calling me on her call time. And I would say, what do you want me to say? You're not calling me. How can I help you get mad at somebody that's not calling you? They're acting just like you. What do you want me to say? First step, she's not powerless. Is her life unmanageable? I bet it is. Last year she quit a job because the company moved to Irvine. She was not going to work down there. So she quit her job. She got two other jobs local, got fired from both of them, and finally got a job in Irvine and bitched on a constant basis, a daily basis, about the commute. And the area that she says that she's going to go to meetings at and where her new sponsor is is out of Riverside. Now, do I think she's going to make the Irvine commute back and forth in Orange County and then drive out with Riverside traffic? It won't last. Do I resent her for all of that? Absolutely not. She called me before she left, and we told each other how much we loved each other and that the door was open. The problem is practicing these principles in all of our affairs. She had 21 years in this group, and she walked away. 
A lot of people in here loved her, including me. A lot of people respected her in her time. She's in a group now with 21 years with people that have been established in that group for a while, so she will not have the clout or the respect of her 21 years that other people with less time in that group have because they've been consistent there the whole time. Nor, when she, if she chose to walk back in this group, would she have the respect of her time anymore because she walked out on you and left. She couldn't take her exact spot back. There's one thing that keeps me in this program. On any given day, I think, shit, I'm, why don't they quit calling me? Why don't they this? Why don't they that? And I think, I am so blessed because my phone is ringing. Well, I am so blessed because my phone is ringing. But I wouldn't leave. I'll be damned if I'll ask any one of you to be my sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I will not feed your ego. <laughs> There's a whole chapter in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous called Working with Others. And like I said, one of the most important things of this chapter is carrying this message. If you have not gone through these steps, you have nothing to carry. If you do not have a sponsor, you do not have nothing to carry. The consistency, the perseverance, the commitment has to come from carrying this message. That's the commitment to God once you get this far. If you're not carrying this message, which is taking newcomers back through these steps and renewing them in your own life, your spiritual awakening is going to go away. That's why I sponsor a lot of ladies in this program that have time, but nothing, nothing feeds my adrenaline more than a newcomer asking me to sponsor them because it's like, yes, now we go back through the big book. Now I get to go back through the steps with them. Now I get to do this with them, which is good for me. It is very selfish. It's very selfish. But I am constantly working with someone in my life to give these steps away. People call me with a problem. What step is that? What step are you working on? Practice these principles in all of our affairs? Yes, I do have one. It means that I practice these principles in my home, in public, at conventions, with other people, at world service. My God, we need to practice these principles at world service. And with my husband and with my daughter. And I will share with you practicing these principles with my daughter. My daughter called me yesterday and her and her husband were having a fight. They were not getting along and it's been off and on for the last year. And, uh, she couldn't get a hold of her sponsor and she said, Mom, can you talk to me? And I said, yeah. And I said, what is your problem? And she started talking, and she said, I have so many character defects, and they just keep coming up. And I said, Simone, quit talking about your character defects. Of course we all have character defects, but the seventh step took care of our character defects. If you're focusing on your character defects, I said, can I talk to you as an Al-Anon member, and like I would if I was sponsoring you, rather than your mother? I asked her. 
And she said, yes, please do that. And so I said, instead of concentrating on your character defects, if I was you, I would make a six-step list of your character defects. And then I would put right next to them what the opposite of that is. And then I would go in and get on my knees, and I would give all those character defects to God, and I would start working on the assets again. There isn't any time in our life that we can't go back on any of these steps and reapply them. And she said she had a lot of fear. Her husband's wanting her to get involved in the business and, and help him do some things. And she had, uh, she had to take these papers and I don't know if they were tax papers, registration papers, or whatever for their business. And uh, she started out as snowing really bad in Milan. And uh, she started out, and she had forgotten a stamp of some kind that had to be stamped on those papers, and it was at home. And so she turned around, and she was hurrying back home, and she had an, a car wreck accident. Dented a bus. She didn't see the bus. Everybody, her in-laws, everybody, how could you not see a bus? Didn't hurt her car at all, just made a dent in the bus. (laughs) So her husband was mad at her. But she didn't ask all the questions before she went to do the thing. Where's the stamp? What do I need? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, yeah, and he always tells me to not F up when he gives me something to do like that. Will you go and do this and this and this and this and don't F up? And he doesn't give her all the information. And I said, Simone... You need to get all the information. She said, I'm so afraid I'm going to be a failure and that he won't trust me. And I get the put-downs then and all that stuff. And she's, and I said, why are you afraid of being a failure? And she goes, I don't know. Because I have the disease of alcoholism and because I have so many character defects from the disease of alcoholism. And I said, Simone, remember the form that we use when we do inventories when we did our inventory, and we passed that on to the people that we sponsor, and she said yes, and I said, if you have one, go get the fear page. And I said, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to write. And I said, write down all of your fears, make three columns, write down all of your fears, second column, why you have those fears, and the third column, the solution. And she said, okay, Mom, I'll do that. And I said, call me back after you get your writing done. And she said, okay. And so I hung up thinking, you know, she'll probably call me tomorrow and in a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks. I don't know. She'll do what people I sponsor do. When I go to a meeting, have you done your writing? Oh, not yet because I blah, 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 blah. This is kind of program my daughter works. She hung up that phone in 30 minutes. My phone rang. And she said, Mom, I got my writing done. Can I give it to you? I go, whoa, yeah. And she read her writing to me. And I said, your fear is of the whole picture. You're looking at the whole picture, Simone. Fabio isn't asking you. She said, I'm afraid I'm going to mess up his business and I do something that would ruin it. And I said, he's not asking you to be the CEO Or the company accountant, he's asking you to do a project for him. 
And I said, you're looking at the big picture. You're not looking at one day at a time. Just today I have this one thing to go file these papers for him. And I said, the thing you need to do is when he asks you to do that, say, okay, what do I need? And when he gives you the paperwork, say, is this all? And you need to tell him, you know, I've gone to school. I've been smart. I've been in Al-Anon for years. I've been in the fashion industry for years. But this is a new industry for me, and I am just learning. So I need all of the information. And I said, as he gives you these projects, get a little notebook and write down the process of what you go through to do each one of these projects. And then when you're halfway through, you're going to look at that little notebook and go, whoa, i got a training manual. Next time he asks you to do something, you can flip to that category, taxes. Okay, here's the tax pages, and, and these are the forms I need to do to go pay the taxes on the business. And she goes, great. And we broke it down into each little thing she needed to do. We simplified it. The only time our head gets busy and we stop and think less of ourselves is that when we are overwhelmed with something we think we can't do. And because we have sponsors in our lives, our sponsor simplifies these affairs in our lives for us and say, this is no big deal. This is the only thing you have to do, and you just got to do it today. We go, oh, okay. Duh. You want to hear the reward of that? My daughter called me today. I did all that with her yesterday. My daughter called me today and she said, Mom, I don't have much time. I want to talk to you real quick. And I said, okay. She said, uh, I called my sponsor in the afternoon and she said I did some writing. I gave my writing to my sponsor. My sponsor basically said a lot of the things that you said to me, but you were more detailed. And she said, Mom, I want to tell you what a great program you have. And I want to thank you so much for being able to separate your feelings from being a mother to being an Al-Anon with me. Very few women can do that. She said, you are fantastic. That's a reward. That's a reward to practicing these principles in all of my affairs. I said, I love you, babe. I just want what's best for you. She said, it's very obvious. Is that a spiritual awakening? I think so, from where my daughter and I came from. I think it's a great one. So as we go through these steps in the AA Big Book on page 80, Frequent contact with newcomers and with each other is a bright spot of our lives. That's the purpose. That is not a social event. This is a fellowship of recovery. And up the paragraph above that said, This is our twelfth suggestion. Carry this message to other alcoholics or alanons. You can help when no one else can. Because we have lived the disease. That's why we can help when no one else can. You can 
secure their confidence when others fail. Because we understand them, psychologists, all those people, they don't understand us, people at work, people at church. Nobody understands us but us. Remember, they are very ill. And it is so true, and we can never forget that. That's why we try to help each other, is because we are all very ill. My sponsor says, this is a perfect program, but the people in it are not. And we can't forget that. Page 80, 92 in the middle. That first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. And what I interpret that to be in my program as an Al-Anon, it's in the, about three or four lines down the second paragraph. That first drink prevents normal functioning of the willpower. What I use that is that that obsession prevents normal functioning of the willpower. Because when I'm into the alcoholic, I'm into an obsession. What the alcoholic does in his life is none of my business, huh, Bonnie? (laughs) Bonnie called her sponsor the other day. Her boyfriend had called her, and his sponsor had yelled at him and hurt his feelings. And her sponsor said, what should she do? And I said, well, maybe she could laugh like I'm getting ready to do. (laughs) What is he, in kindergarten? He is a grown man. If his sponsor yelled at him, he was probably acting like a jerk. And that's the only way he could hear it. I said, if he got his feelings hurt... I would quote what a longtime member of Alcoholics Anonymous quoted one time when she told her sponsor, You hurt my feelings. I'm sensitive. And her sponsor said, No, you're not. You're just a touchy bitch. (laughs) I'll never forget it. It worked for me. The thing that the big book talks about that uh, I like a lot, faith alone is insufficient. We have to share our experiences with newcomers in order for them to identify so they will have faith in something. They will know beyond the shadow of a doubt we have, we have the knowledge of the disease, so we understand. Okay? The other thing that I talk like in this chapter is when it talks about if you are working with someone that is not willing to take direction and to go through these steps and to uh, apply these principles in their life, move on to someone else. And I see it in Al-Anon a lot is that we tend to, when we are sponsoring someone, oh, she's not doing this, she's not doing that, you know, whatever, he's not doing this or not doing that. I'm sorry, Pete. Uh, we want to fix them. By God, I can make her do this. I can get her through this. I can do that. She's not coming to meetings, but she calls me all the time. How can you help somebody that's not going to meetings? She just wants a garbage can. You can't help somebody. 
This is not a do-it-yourself program. You cannot just read literature and get it. You cannot just pray and get it. If that was true, I wouldn't have to be here. You cannot just call people and get it, or you cannot just go to meetings and get it. you got to have the whole enchilada to call it an enchilada. And it talks about in this chapter, half measures avail us nothing. It doesn't say a little bit. It doesn't say two-thirds of. It doesn't say half. It says half measures avail us nothing. So if you're working with somebody that's complacent and they're not doing anything, move on. Now, a lot of people will go and they'll hustle a newcomer or be a, a newcomer, be attracted to them. If you want to attract a newcomer, share in meetings. They will learn to know you and identify with you. That's how they do that. And so when you get a person like that and you encourage them to pick them up and take them to meetings and that kind of thing, and then they don't want to go, then where are you? You have no one. That's why I don't do that. That's why when anyone asks me to sponsor them, I usually say yes, because I'm not going to bank on one person staying forever. I need backups. (laughs) I remember one time telling Keith years ago, I sponsor 20 women. And I said, you know, with each one of these women, they have one character defect that I really identify with very strongly, each one of them. He goes, God, you're sick. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I don't know if it takes that many people to keep me on the right course, but I think I'd look at my program if I was you, if I'm only sponsoring one person, because you're going to become obsessed with that person, and she's going to turn on you. So we need to be sponsoring more than one. Carrying this message to others. It doesn't say carry this message to a other. It says others. Consistency. If I don't have consistency in my life, if I'm not going to the same meeting every week, and this newcomer came in and saw me and heard me share, and then she decides not to go, and she comes back in and says, Cindy walked in here tonight. She knew where I sit. Tuesday night, everybody that goes to my Tuesday night meeting knows where I sit if they need help. That's why I do that. Not because I'm special, but because I'm consistent. That if anybody walks in these doors and says, Sue, I need to talk to you, they know where to find me on Tuesday night, and when they get in the room, they know where to find me in the room. I am that consistent. Perseverance. I pursue newcomers. I talk to them. I don't do it like I used to because our group's so big. There was a time when I would say I sponsor 40-some women, and they were all in my Tuesday night meeting. And I would go to the meeting, and I would take roll call. And it fed my ego. That is not sponsorship. That's feeding ego and self-will in this program. 
big character defect. And when we went through our 10-year surrender, a lot of them walked away because I wasn't wonderful anymore. The thing I was taught is when I'm in a bad place, I share it so I will remain uh, one of you. I never get well. And if I share with you when I'm in a bad place, there will never be any pedestals around here because you will know I'm just as human as you. You will know that I need this program just as bad as you do every day. So I have a lot of perseverance in that, in, uh, and I stay current with newcomers. I used to, uh, what happened when all those women walked away is that I kept coming to the Tuesday night meeting, kept coming. Gradually, ladies had asked me to be their sponsors. And I would uh, tell them, you go talk to the newcomer. And now we have, what, four to six generations of sponsorship in here? That's recovery. That's recovery. That's why we don't say Sue's meeting Wednesday night. We don't say Celeste's meeting. We say the Tuesday night Fullerton meeting. The Gotawana meeting. I was in a meeting uh, at a conference two weeks ago. And people were saying, I had on my Gotawana pin, and people say, what's that mean? I said, that's the name of my home group. And they said, what does it mean? I said, you got to want it to be in my home group. They go, that's great. Can we steal that name? And I go, nope, it's patent. <laughs> I said, do whatever you want. On page 103 at the end of that chapter in the big book, After all our problems were of our own making, bottles were only a symptom. I interpret that as saying alcoholics in my life were only a symptom. My husband in my life was my drink. He was my fix. He was my obsession. Besides, we have stopped fighting. There it is. Everybody and everything. We have to. We have to. We cannot keep fighting. Well, I'm going to fight my company and I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that, but I'll be nice over here. Doesn't work that way with us. We are a dis- It's a disease of consistency. If it's going to get me there, it's eventually going to get me at home. It's eventually going to get me in my home group. It's eventually going to attack me everywhere. So I cease fighting everybody and everything, and that's why I was so confused on that job, and I had to do that. And because I did not do that, did not fight, my rewards were great. All right, in the AA 12, Alan on 12 and 12, on page 75, in the second paragraph, Oh, in the first uh, paragraph, it talks about, it's talking about a spiritual awakening. And it says, whether we have realized it or not, we have had a rebirth of the Spirit throughout our participation in Al-Anon. If that's true, I have also had a rebirth in life. 
Then in the next paragraph, we feel this can come about for others as it did for us when we devoted. Very important word for me. Devoted ourselves with all our hearts to the daily practice of these principles. And if I'm doing this on a daily basis, I am going to be an attraction. And then at the end of page 76, we find it not enough merely to attend meetings regularly or even to accept an office in the group. Carrying the message means personal one-on-one sharing with one another. It means giving moral support, standing by and listening without criticizing or condemning exactly what I did with my daughter. I got into the solution and not the problem. To the troubles and misfortunes of another person and helping him or her to find the path we have found. So when we're doing 12-step work, we do not get in the problem. One of the ladies called me tonight that I sponsor and said one of her sponsorees is in a bad place and she was asking her, do I do this or do I do that? And she said, I'm afraid I'm getting in the problem with her. And I don't know how to be supportive of her right now. And so she shared some things with me and I said, you're right, you have gotten in the problem and you don't want to be there with her. I said, these are her decisions. You need to be supportive of her. I said, share with her what her options are. Because when we're in a bad place and our head's whirling, we only have tunnel vision. It's either or. It's black or white. One of the ladies I sponsored the other day said, what does a gray zone mean? Well, a gray zone's the middle of the road. It means I'm not extreme to the left and I'm not extreme to the right. I'm looking at all my options. And then based on uh, my contact with my higher power and experiences that other people in this program share with me, I'm able to make a sane decision. Or check out other things to find out what sane means. On page 77, second paragraph, it does not mean solving problems for others, but helping them to solve their own without giving advice that might seem right to us, but might not be right for them. And Bear has shared with you a couple of times on how mad she was at me a couple of weeks ago about telling her to do a ninth step on her mother who's dead, who was horrible woman. I heard her fifth step. But she was looking in the mirror at herself and seeing her mother. She was having nightmares about her mother, and I knew she was consumed with hate. And there is no justifiable hate in this program. What I told her is that God won't love, love and hate live in the same heart. You've got to get rid of this. No, I'm not going to make amends to my mother. She does not deserve him. She's already gone to hell and that's where she belongs and I don't like her and I never will. I said, read the ninth step out of the AA Big Book and the Al-Anon and the AA 12 and 12 every day so you will understand. She did it and said, nope. And then I explained to her how 
her problem with the ninth step might be to release her mother and let her go instead of hating her. And those amends might be to herself for hating her mother. I deserve to hate her. And what I finally did is that we reach out for a lot of things uh, in life, practice these principles in all of our affairs, and there's a lot of examples of how to handle situations in life. And um, many years ago I saw a movie called Flatliners that's all about amends, totally about amends. And I said, you go rent that movie. You watch that movie. And she did, and then she read the ninth step again, and then she did some writing. Called me the next day and said, the first time in my life I have compassion for my mom. And I told her, you need to find something good that your mother gave you. Didn't give me nothing good. Mean woman. And that day when she called me and said she'd found compassion for her mother, she said, you know, when I was writing, I remembered my mother saying, you will not be a pussy. You will grow up to be a strong woman. And the newcomer said to me, all the things that my mother did to me helped me be a strong woman out there in this world. So I know this program works. I know what a spiritual awakening is. You guys do not know the person standing up here. I remember one time I was uh, angry, 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 pissed off at a person. And I went for a walk with another lady I sponsor, and I said, God, and I was just trudging and walking fast, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And she said, but Sue, you don't look angry. I said, good thing you don't see my insides. I feel like i got a tornado going on in here, and I'm ready to kill that woman. <laughs> and I just walked around until I walked off that anger. And then I was able to go back and uh, act appropriate. I had a personality change by the time I went back in that room. Because while I was trudging, I was asking God, God, please give me the strength to be the person that you want me to be. See, any jackass or wuss can go out there and just beat the hell out of somebody. Anybody can do that. It takes spiritual muscles to work a program and turn the other cheek. Spiritual muscles. And I have those today. Because of surrenders that I've been through in this program. That is the only thing that gives us spiritual muscles. is the experiences that we walk through after we get in this program. It, all of the things that we think are bad that we have to walk through once we get in this program is that... Uh, when we get on the other side, we are stronger, better people for it. And if we learn from it, we don't ever have to experience that again. If we don't learn from it, then we'll have to experience it over and over and over again until we learn the lesson. 
And I don't like those lessons. I go, okay, God, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Just like I shared with you earlier on on the steps, you know, when I, uh, uh, when they shut down the facility with the company up in the city of industry and I was without a job and it was my dream job. And I went for two months unemployed. I was an HR manager. The two things that happened to me that made me a stronger person is, number one, I was on my knees, I don't know how many times a day, every time I would think about losing that job because they shut it down, I used to say, God, 400 people got laid off so I could get humility. uh, I was on my knees a lot. I'd tell the girls I sponsor, I've been on my knees so much I have rug burns. The other good thing about that that I didn't know I was going to get that was so important to me is that being in human resources, you interview unemployed people because they want a job at your company because you have an opening. I did not look on those people that were unemployed as lames anymore. It gave me compassion. And they were out there scrobbling to find a job. And if they weren't the appropriate person for the job that I had the opening for, the company had the opening for, I would tell them at the end of the interview, this is not a a good match for you in this company. But don't give up. Your perfect job is waiting for you out there. And I used to give these people I didn't even know a pep talk. And they go, God, you're so wonderful. Are all the people here like you? And I go, yeah. Well, let me know if you have any other openings that you think I'd be better fit for. And I go, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that that was going to happen like that for me. But it made me open to other people in the same circumstances that I've just been in. It gave me humility. Without necessarily taking that first drink, we often get quite far off the beam. Our troubles sometimes begin with indifferences. It's talking about resentments. This is in the AA 12 and 12 on page 112. See, we cannot go along the spiritual road without being human. We are on a spiritual path, but we are human beings going down this spiritual path. If I get a resentment toward Chris P., and then I get a resentment toward Karen, and then I get one toward Wendy, pretty soon I got a whole bucket of resentments. I don't have a spiritual path. I've got a road with craters in it. And I got the ups and downs that I'm going through, and I'm probably at the point of cursing God, what are you doing to me? Self-pity. But if I get a resentment toward Chris Parker and I talk to my sponsor about it and I look at the situation, do I have an amends to make? And if I do, I go to Chris Parker and I say, Chris, I need to make amends to you for acting like a jerk or whatever it was. If I talk to my sponsor and I don't owe her amends, 
I still have to go up to her. And this is what's important. I cannot judge her for being herself. I can go up to her and say, Chris, I love you. And you know what happens? It breaks down that barrier. I cannot afford to hang on to resentments and crap around here. It will kill me. This is a deadly disease. It will stifle my growth. And if I let them build, I will go down these 12 steps. All of a sudden, I'm powerful. My life's unmanageable. I don't need you. I. I forget that I can't get help if I'm not a we. The other day, in our yesterday, in one of the meditation books I read, it was talking about, you know, having opportunities, looking for opportunities for growth. Or do we have the attitude, looking for opportunities? I make opportunities. Big difference in that attitude. No spirituality there. It's taken all the credit. I cannot take credit for what I have. I give the credit to my God, my sponsor, in this program. Yes, I have to take the actions, but I have the willingness to take the actions. Nobody can make this happen for me if I don't want it to happen. Lois Wilson could have been my sponsor, and if I didn't want to do what she said, I wouldn't. I would have a crappy program. I'd be complacent, and I'd probably be gone by now. Because nobody can make this happen but me and God. I have to believe in a sponsor, follow direction, and believe that she believes. Because she has carried this message a lot longer than I have. She's done something right. So I had to get out of the know-it-all business and I had to become dumb. I used to say when I was new, it seems to me like our head is like a computer and I have to download and reprogram. And it's, it's very true. All of my good ideas got me here. When I had good ideas, I was not humble, I had no spirituality at all, and I was an I. Relying on a sponsor and a God and going through these steps and finding God and giving this thing away makes me a we. It makes me open-minded, willing, and honest. A real biggie, honest. I don't have any secrets in my life today. You want to know anything, you can ask me. If there are no secrets, there is no gossip. Nobody can hurt me. If I tell you everything about me, then you go tell somebody else. I can't say you're gossiping about me because I told you. But if you assume that I'm doing something and you go around and talk about it, that's gossip. It has to come from the horse's mouth in order for you to be free. That's why we do a fifth step, is because it takes that away. And this step, by sharing with others, my God, I have shared with thousands and thousands and thousands of people 
when I tell my story, every time I tell my story, I share the thing that I was never, ever going to tell anybody when I got here. And today I've used that to help so many others. Because it no longer has power over me. I gave it away to God and a sponsor. And because I did that, then when I'm working this step and somebody's in that same situation, I go, no big deal. Let me share with you what happened to me. Just like that time down at the Orange County Jail when I was sitting outside of it and they had a health fair out there and Al-Anon had a booth. And this man walked out of the Orange County Jail and walked over to our table and he picked up the pamphlet, Freedom from Despair. And he looked at us and he said, If I do this deal, can you guarantee this will happen to me? And I said, You bet I can. He said, how can you do that? And I say, because I have been where you are at. That's a sermon a mile long. They weren't my words. You see, when I'm carrying the message, because I've had a spiritual awakening, I know that God uses me to help other people. Because I'm spiritually fit, I can do that. I can let God use me as a channel to help somebody else. And in the same conversation, he uses them to let me hear what I need to hear so I don't forget where I come from. If you're having a bad day, call somebody you sponsor that's having the worst day. Help them get out of their hole and your hole is, is just, it ain't there. Freedom from despair. That's what this program does. With each passing day of our lives, may every one of us sense more deeply the inner meaning of AA's simple prayer. And it talks about the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Everything. Courage to change the things I c- we can. Me. And the wisdom to know the difference. Experiences. Experience, strength, and hope. That's what we practice in this program. That's what we give away. I hope every one of you wants to give this thing away in order for you to keep it. Thank you very much.